Hello, and welcome to I Roll. I am Hannah Caton, and I am here in the studio today with another very special guest. Today, I'm here with Joe Haslam, and if you watched the C40 webcast earlier this month as a part of our Moment Recharge, you know him very well as a star from our product team who introduced our newest electric car to the world, the C40. Um, But today, we're going to take a step back to talk about the XC40 Recharge, which is our first pure electric car. Uh, So Joe, welcome to the studio. Um, As a self-professed XC40 fanatic, I'm super excited to have you here. But before we dive in, Tell us, how long have you been with Volvo? Give us a little bit of your backstory in case, um, because you've been away from the U.S. for a couple of years. I have. So thank you, Hannah. Um, Right after college, I started working at a Volvo dealership. So I was uh, working my way up as a salesman to a sales manager, general manager from 1993. 2006, I went to the dark side and joined (laughs) joined Volvo corporate, um, product trainer, then the market manager, and then... um, you know, I, then I got the opportunity to work on, on the product team here in Rockley. And then I got the opportunity to move to Sweden for three years where I was a commercial project manager on our future electric cars. So, you know, the XC40 Recharge was one of the cars I worked on. I also worked on, uh, for a while, I was working on the Polestar PS2 um, and then also now the C40. So the, the C40 is an amazing opportunity. And I think few people in our organization can, can experience that where I saw the car come where it's essentially a a line on a, a piece of paper, if you will, of showing the profile to now I'm bringing it to market in the U.S. So it, it, it's a really exciting time for me. So really, there is no one better that we could have in the studio today to talk about our electric future, I, I would say. Oh, I'll be, I'll be modest about that. You're There's humble. a lot of very smart people at our <laughs> Well, we're, I'm personally very excited, and I know our colleagues will be excited to hear from you, too. So we're going to take full advantage of your brain today. So thanks in advance. So before we really dive into the XC40 Recharge and all of its inner workings, I just hope, I, I wonder if you could give us kind of a brief on who do we expect to be buying this car? Who's the intended customer? So you look at the paper part of it and you look at like the demographic trail and, you know, we expect these to be very high income families, um, maybe households that have multiple cars, um, you know, very educated, very, you know, almost a typical Volvo customer, but supercharged. Mm. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm shifting my belief on that a little bit. And I really think we also need to shift back to who is the XC40 intended for? And the XC40 was more intended for perhaps some of the younger buyers, um, or, or the empty nesters, and it was intended. It's intended to be perhaps the primary car of the household. And um, I've become a very strong believer that the XC40 Bev, uh, the Recharge, can be a primary car for single person or for the household. Hmm. Yes, because I think we we had talked about the fact that perhaps initially this was we thought that the a pure electric car it was a person's a family's second car, but now you're saying actually. It's fully capable of acting as the primary car. I don't think we should ever exclude somebody that is interested in buying the car and it's being the primary car. I don't think we should ever exclude them from that. I don't think we should ever say you should not consider this. Mm -hmm. Um, The reality is we'll probably sell primarily to multiple car households. Given the XC40's role in, in, in the lineup, it does make sense as a second car for a lot of people, but we certainly cannot pigeonhole ourselves into the mindset that there's only one type of customer. This is probably one of our most diverse opportunities. And certainly the XC40 as a whole, once the once the recharge is fully launched, it will have a, 
purpose across all demographics. Mm-hmm. Now, Joe, you told me a story uh, the other day about, um, you know, you're, you're right now, you're driving the XC40 Recharge. You live in the city, in New York City. And the other day you gave a group of friends a ride. And I, and I wonder if you could tell us that story. Okay, this was this is actually pretty funny. And I, you know, two of my friends I've known for a while, um, and they, they know what to do. And those two, they got into this argument, and they're a little bit older. And by the way, all three of these people, it turns out they had Volvo history in their background. Mm-hmm. Their family, or, or their, their first car was one that they crashed. So they all had a pre- preconceived notion about Volvo. Um, my two friends sort of got into debate about if the car was sporty or if it was you know rugged, um, which to me is a win for the XC40. Because mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the recharge I'm driving, it's, it's sage green, and it's got the black contrasting black roof, as they all have standard, and it's got the upgraded wheels. So it does look really sporty. But then as you get into the driving position, and you get into the inside of it, you have the upright seating position that is such a hallmark of the XC40 design that it really has those great SUV proportions. So those two are arguing about one thing. The new person who I was just meeting, he was a millennial, and he was a little bit judgmental about why are you in New York City and you have a car? You should be saving the environment. <laughs> um, it took him a couple of blocks to figure out that he was in a battery electric car. Mm. And he was camp Bev at that moment on. He was like, this is the future. This is, you know, this is where we're, we're all going to be. I'm like, well, it's your generation to get us there. <laughs> So what was their perception of Volvo when they got out of the car versus when they got in? Okay, first of all, these are New Yorkers, so they, they, they're not clearly in the intention of buying a car in, in the near future. But uh, I think that they no longer think that, they're, that the Volvo is what they had in the past. Mm. I think they really truly believe, especially as I, as I went through and I just used the car to its capability, not even really trying to show it off, just use the car's capabilities. I think they are really amazed at how far that Volvo has come technology-wise. Mm. So the car kind of spoke for itself. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, the XC40 Recharge, it spoke for itself. But I wonder if you could, let's say I'm, you know, a fourth passenger in that car, and I want you to pitch me on the XC40 Recharge. Why is this car special? You have 30 seconds. How would you really sell it? Oh, the elevator speech. Yes. Okay, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to hit the stop button because I'm not going to do it at 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> but It's cheating. Okay, First of all, we got to just acknowledge that XC40 is such a fantastic design from how it looks, how it's engineered, the flexibility of CMA architecture, um, just the smart storage solutions. The work we did with the XC40 was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I've maintained all along that selling of this car is kind of going to be like selling or delivering three cars. You'll be selling, delivering the Volvo, but then you also need to sell and deliver the Bev, and you need to really showcase how good a job Volvo did with making a fantastic Bev and it just, just hit the, just the sweet spot on so many things with the car. And then a huge game changer is going to be the Google embedded. Um, I can't emphasize that enough. That's, that's like another car to sell. Mm. So let's take that one by one. Good job, by the way, very quick. So let's take that point by point. We talk about selling Volvo, selling the XC40. And I think from what I'm hearing is, you know, that, component is the design right and the experience of the car so why is it special let's i think that's easiest for you to cover i see okay we'll start with the cma architecture mm-hmm. so cma architecture meant that it was designed to be battery car from day one support all levels of batteries whether it be the 48 uh, volt system that's coming out um whether it be a phev available in some markets or it's the bev that we have um 
the, that meant that we didn't have to compromise any storage solutions, any space, or anything on the interior of the car. So the customer didn't give up anything when we went from petrol to, to BEV. Mm. But then the safety engineering that went into the car, um, you know, the battery pack. So it used to be we always had the, the passenger compartment cell was precious cargo area. We're protecting the human occupants. And the car would sacrifice its powertrain and sacrifice everything else to protect that area. Well, the battery pack is below the passenger compartment now. So it now is part of that area that is precious cargo. Mm. But there was some, some engineering had to happen where some reinforcements had to be made, made along the door sills. And also the, how, we, how we manufacture the batteries is different from some of the other companies. You know, battery electric vehicles do not like intrusion into the battery cell itself. That's where you get a runaway with fire. We have our cooling the, the liquid cooling going through the battery packs individually into these different stacks so that if one happens by, by chance to be punctured, it doesn't ignite the rest of them. Not, not every, the, the coolant isn't lost for the entire battery mm. pack. That's something that's really important. And, you know, there's things that we compromise that, that, that we, you know, we can deem as, as a priority or not priority. And I know that safety is always a priority. So, yes, Joe, you talk about all of the kind of design and structural elements of the XC40. I mean, really, of course, it maintains the gorgeous styling of the XC40. I, I drive the XC40, so I'm a little bit biased. I love it, um, which, of course, is beautiful. We have the um, a car that was designed structure-wise from the outset to be electric, so we lose no space. The experience is still exactly as intended from the start. And then, of course, this is a Volvo, so we've considered safety as top, top priority. So when we talk about selling the XC40 selling the Volvo, check, and then some. So now we go to selling the BEV. So how do we talk to customers? How should we sell the BEV to people who perhaps this is their first electric car? Well, there's a number of things that I think we need to really emphasize with with our customers. Um, First of all, the 78 kilowatt battery pack that we have is is really kind of the sweet spot for what most people are going to need for a primary use of a car Mm -hmm. um, to, to, to meet most of their daily needs. But the thing that we've done really well is we've also future protected with the right amount of capability, right amount of technology, um, as what the infrastructure is expected to, to, to grow into. Um, for example, the 11 kilowatt onboard charger for AC charging, that means that it can be hooked up to a 240 volt outlet at the 60 amp circuit. Well, that's, that's the highest level that most residential areas often will allow to be wired into a circuit. So we've, we've set the capability at what the customers are likely going to have mm. in their home. Um, in fact, we have a competitive advantage over that. So many of our competitors are still at a 7 or 8, eight kilowatt charger. We're at 11. So we've, we've maximized what the customer is likely going to run into. And then the DC charging capability, the fast charging that's in the public network, we're at 150 kilowatts. Um, that's about the highest that's that most businesses are likely to put in in a DC public charging network in the next foreseeable 10 to 15 years. Um, you can have a 300 kilowatt charger, but it doesn't matter how much our, our capability, but it doesn't matter how much capability you have if you are never able to find a 300 kilowatt mm. DC network. Mm-hmm. But hundred right now there's a lot of 50, a lot of 100, and, and, and pe- people are going to see a lot more 150 kilowatt DC charging networks. So, you know, they have the right amount of both AC charging capability and DC charging capability. 
So what you're saying is that with the XC40 Recharge, we've introduced a car that is going to be compatible with the majority of charging infrastructure um, that is on the market today and that we expect to come in the months, years ahead. We have almost a little more capability today than we need right today, Mm -hmm. but we future protect it so that 10 years from now, mm-hmm. that's where it'd be where we will be. Mm-hmm. So that's really good to know because I think it will make customers more confident in this investment, right? But beyond that, how about just generally speaking, helping our customers overcome some maybe the intimidation factor that comes with, okay, I have been driving a gas-powered car for my entire adult life. How do I wrap my brain around that change? there's the first thing we got to do is start kind of tackling the fears. And I guess internally we need to basically eliminate the fears ourselves because once you, once you do that yourself, you're a much more credible person. Um, The reality is I, myself, I live in New York city. I don't have the infrastructure. Um, I was like, you know, I'm probably going to have to stay with a petrol car for a while. And I can, I guarantee you actually my next car is a Bev because what I've done is I've lived at the car and I've treated it like what I need. I've, I've taken on spontaneous road trip up to the Poconos, um, weekend trips, not even planning ahead. Um, you know, I begin, I begin a weekend trip with like 45% battery charge. Um, and you just live with it and you start overcoming those things. And by the way, the car's attributes are immediately available, apparent. The, uh, just you know, how quickly the car accelerates, you know, going from zero to traffic speed, getting here on Route 17 in New Jersey <laughs> can be terrifying in any other car. And, and this thing gets up to, up to traffic speed so fast, so instantly. It's just really confidence-inspiring. How the car handles, how the car feels, those are all immediately available once you drive the car. It's the preconceived notions of, oh, I can't have a BEV because of XYZ. You start crossing those off the list then you'll never want to go back to, as I call it, a car that runs on dinosaur juice. <laughs> I like the, that. Let <laughs> me use that. Yeah. So you said something to me when we were talking, uh, you know, a few minutes ago that this car feels like the future. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So first of all, to go from zero to 60 in, in 4.9 seconds with no noise, no muss, no fuss, and also the way, the way since we have, we have equal power size motor on front and rear axle, it does that with no wheel spin, no tripping of tires, just boop, you're up to speed. Um, and then, you know, of course, integrating like your entire life as far as Google is, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a Google user. <laughs> I get into the car and not only that, the car already, it, the car has all my Google information. It flawlessly does you know, text to voice, voice to text. I don't have to push a button to, to interact with the car. It's just like, it's almost like, you know, the computer's always there. And you just say, hey, Google, what's the weather like this weekend? Hey, Google, turn off, turn off the heated seat on the passenger side. Hey, Google, raise the temperature passenger side. And you, and you look and you watch what the car is doing. And that one in particular, you know, I, I keep the temperature on one setting because it's me most of the time, but I like it cold. My passengers are in the car, and maybe it's a little too chilly for them. I just say, hey, Google, raise the temperature on the passenger side. And you mm-hmm. watch on the screen, you see it split to dual mode, raises the temperature on the passenger side. And, and it's, it goes from brain to mouth to the car doing it. Mm-hmm. There's no reaching down, looking for the button, and trying to find something. 
I got to be honest with you. I was I was in my car the other day, and I had pl- been at the C40 launch, and I had been playing around with the, the Google system. And when I got home, I tried to use Hey Google in my car with my phone. I, it was like my, there was like a brain connection that like wasn't quite firing. And I'm like, I can't wait to have this in my future car. Because, I mean, as you said, it's so intuitive. You just speak in a natural tone. I've tried to trick that system before, and I like have trouble doing that. You know, there's there's things that it does better than others, of course. Um, our current car, when you push the button, say, you know, I'm hot, it'll lower the temperature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a little uh, maybe Easter egg in yeah. the in the um, cars with the, with the Google embedded. It'll just take tell me to go take a swim. <laughs> but but everything else, uh, you know, how well it integrates with the climate control systems is fantastic. Um, you know, I can go, hey, hey, Google, play Nina Simone on Spotify, and it just changes whatever mm-hmm. source is playing to right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's that's phenomenal, and not to have to have such a rigid navigation. Right, take me to this destination. Just natural voice. Right. And I think, too, to take it back to how do we get our customers to adapt to this, you know, a world with an electric car, a life with an electric car, this will play a big role in that. So in addition, as I understand it, there are some tools that we've given our customers to maximize the XC40's range beyond what it currently is. Is that right? Absolutely. So, I mean, the low-hanging fruit that we talk about in a lot of our marketing material, and it's another game changer once you live with it and become a believer, the one-pedal drive. Mm. From here to my home in New York City, I hardly ever touch the brake pedal. The regenerative braking is so effective, and it's so dialed in. We don't have multiple settings. It's just, it's just right. Um, but majority of my braking is done with regenerative braking. I'm recapturing that kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. And it's very rare that I see the gauge dropping down to the red zone, which is that's, that's actually when the mechanical braking is, is being activated. Um, so that's a big one. But the, also the key with that is to know exactly when to use regenerative braking. Mm-hmm. It's great in suburban driving. It's great for, you know, especially in city driving, but out in the open highway, when you let off the accelerator, you want the inertia of the car, the kinetic energy, to keep you going. So that's when you, you need to toggle it off. So that a lot of this we need to teach people how to use and when to use it. Um, the pre-climatization. You know, once the car is, when the car is plugged in, and on my car I have like <laughs> six different timers set, mm-hmm. um, you, you program it for when you, want to, when you want to start. That not only makes the car more comfortable inside, but batteries function best 60 to 80 degrees Fahrenheit. They're kind of like people that way. So they like their optimal temperature, but by by setting the pre-climatization of the car, you're also pre-climating, you're you're pre-setting the temperature for the battery while it's plugged in. So you're conserving energy, getting the battery to its operating temperature is optimal. And so that's another key thing to use it and use it regularly. And then I guess the the final thing is how good a job Google helps you manage the energy. And I, I know exactly where I'm going when I'm going to and from work and on my destinations. I typically know I don't need to, I don't use it so much as navigation anymore. Um, I will actually almost daily, I program in where I'm going um, just by saying it. It's not a whole mm-hmm. of extra steps. And then I just turn it on mute and I leave it sitting, you know, sitting in the center display mm-hmm. on the driver information display. And I, le- I use the sensor stack for whatever else I want to be you know, doing, usually audio. But so here's the, here's the case in point. <clears throat> My friends and I, we decided we were going to take a, a trip up to Bear Mountain. I only had like 45% range started at that point of state of, state of charge. So what I did is I programmed in. I knew if I could make it to the office, 
before I had to charge the car, mm-hmm. that would be the ideal situation. So I used the navigation, the Google, to set a multiple stop journey. So you first, you know, say, hey, Google, take me to work. Mm-hmm. And it says Mawa. But then I programmed out. So I need to go out to Woodside and pick up two of my friends. So then I set, hey, Google, add a stop. Mm-hmm. Hey, Google, add a stop. And then I added Bear Mountain. And then I added Google, you know, I said, hey, Google, add a stop. Take my back out to Woodside. Hey, Google, take me home. Mm-hmm. So now it's, it's a whole chain of, chain of destinations are in there. And each, t- each time it's telling me how much my charge is going to be left. And because it's using real-world data from Google about terrain and typical traffic conditions and my driving style, it's really accurate. Mm. Um, and that's the amazing thing. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to have plenty of charge. So I can, I can basically wait till work, you know, I get to work right. the next morning. Right. But that's, for me, it's no longer a navigation system. It's an energy management computer. Mm-hmm. And that will be a critical tool in helping people get comfortable and understanding because it really is kind of a new um, language that people are, are learning as they start to adopt this new technology. So the sizzle is how well Hey Google works, how well the Google Embedded works. But the substance is how good Google is mm-hmm. as a system and, and data information and calculation and, and accuracy level. You know, you, you start out with a car that the gauge um, in the dims tells you how much percentage you have. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, that's the accurate thing to say. You have the car plugged in overnight. You want confirmation that you're at 90% charge. Mm-hmm. It's immediately visually there. You know, if I think how a petrol car, I don't really pay attention to my gas gauge from full to a quarter tank left. Mm-hmm. That's when I start kind of wondering, oh, I better, better get fuel. Yeah. Well, we do the same thing. At, at 20 miles... Then it's remaining, or 20% remaining, I'm sorry. It then tells you how many miles you have left. Well, that's just like when you get down on your fuel gauge. Oh, now I need to maybe think about what I'm going to do. And then it starts prompting you, you know, would you like to navigate to a a charge station? So the elegance and the simplicity, we don't give excess amount of information. If we just give just the right amount of information at just the right time. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that so much. It's almost like there's nothing that can paralyze me more than information overload. So this is wonderful and I think will be hugely helpful. The great thing is that this is our entry point into you know, an electrified brand. And we have put so much directly behind it where you know, we put the Google in with the car. We did, we really did, we did the electric power part very, very right. So now it's a matter of we have the XC40, which is a tr- it's a draw on the customers. So we get the customers in the door on an XC40, and that we have the right size car. We have the, the vehicle people are looking for, which is a good size SUV. So we, we have to get the customers in the door, in the door, and then we just really have to showcase it how we did everything right on the Bev. Mm. So what are you hopeful that people will feel after they've spent their first full? I would say not day, maybe weekend after driving with the recharge. I want them to go from I'm 10% confident, maybe 20% confident that this will work for me. And I want them to be at 90% at that point. Mm. And then that's then the challenge. Then it's like, what do I have to do to close that remaining 10%? And that's when the salesman kicks in. That's when it's like, you know, you, you got to close the deal to be 100% confident. And th- what we've given the Volvo sales consultant is we've given them a car they can believe in. Mm-hmm. And once they become a believer themselves, then it's so much easier to sell what you believe in. Mm-hmm. And we're not selling anything that's you know, a veneer of credibility. We didn't phone this one in. This is a fantastic car, and it's a fantastic Volvo. Mm. Well, I, I mean, 
I basically think every single person at Volvo just needs to have a conversation with you because I can feel the enthusiasm and the passion for this product kind of emanating from you. So it's been really fun to talk to you about this, Joe. You know, I really wish this COVID, COVID, you know, we didn't have the social distancing because I would love to spend like, you know, one day a week where I'm just taking people out in the car and just showing them and making them a believer because, to be honest, as soon as as soon as that is safe and possible, we're going to do that. I'm going to hold you to it. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been such a pleasure, and we'll have you back soon. 